Welcome to Break a Wish, the podcast where all your dreams come true, but with terrible, ironic consequences. I'm your host, Maddox Campbell. Joining me this time, we have Kat Letwin. Hello. And Chris Siddiqui. Oh, good morning. Mor- afternoon. Good afternoon. Good, good internet day. time, because yeah. they can be good listening day. whenever they want. Uh, and this week, we are breaking down a film that is probably the most tangentially related to the topic of Magic Wishes we have ever done, uh, which is Mazes and Monsters, the 1982 Dungeons and Dragons is Scary film made at the height of the satanic panic. Um, we're doing this mostly because, Chris Siddiqui, you've got a new uh, D&D podcast coming out on the Sonar Network. That's right. So we wanted to, we wanted to tie it in a little bit. Yeah, and I uh, want to so- thank you for breaking form from your own podcast, man. <laughs> totally plug my podcast, buddy. I, it's much appreciated. It's like a tangentially form. We're still we're still touching my form, but just okay, okay. just just a gentle touch. Okay, okay. As long as All it's right. a gentle touch, <laughs> it's a gentle touch. Okay, cut. caress. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I will maybe get started. What is your history, both with this film and Dungeons and Dragons in general? Uh, just so we know where we're where we're coming from. Um, me or cat? You. And then we'll move to Kat. Okay, Kat, yeah. Kat, I feel, has a deeper relationship. Um, my relationship with this film is that I literally just finished it minutes ago. Mm-hmm. I've only known about it for only maybe a year and a bit. Uh, only because, you know, when you when you get bit by the D&D bug, you start going, oh, what's the more D&D stuff I can look up and do? And then you see this movie and you're like, whoa, what is this? And it's kind of like, you know, when you become a stoner and you hear about Reefer Madness, you're like, whoa, what is this? It's kind of, this is the Reefer Madness. Yeah, uh, it's very really accurate. Um, and for the actual game itself, I actually haven't played. First time I played, legit played, was maybe three or four years ago with a group of friends. We were playing fourth edition, I think. And, um, and then I just got into it. Big time in the past year and a bit with his fifth edition, but uh, fifth edition it, is good. It's it's not good for storytellers. Oh, so great, it's so great. But I also had the monster manual in the player's handbook as a kid, like the Gary Gygax first no edition shit. as a kid. Never knew how to play it as a kid. I would just flip through it every night and just look at these stats and numbers that I had no idea what they were. But I I just always knew. I would love this game, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, you need to find a group to actually get it going. And sometimes as a kid, that could be hard to organize. Oh, big time. Plus, every kid is yeah. afraid that they'll get beat up if they actually play it and then say they play it. Yeah, so. that probably held me up for a couple extra years. And I was already kind of a loser anyway, so that was just kind of adding more fuel to the fire, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. All right, what about you, Kat? What's, uh... Uh, uh, great. Okay, so... With Mazes and Monsters, I first watched this movie, I think, in 2010. Yeah, because I, as uh, I I call myself, I'm a self-taught internet historian. Uh, (laughs) And uh, back in those days, uh, so this is a little bit post something awful forums and like FARC, like all that kind of stuff for me. Uh, So I was on uh, POE TV a lot, which was part of the Portal of Evil boards. So it was this place that would collect... Um, bizarre clips off of YouTube or Vimeo or whatever. It was just like a place to have some lulls that wasn't any of the Chan boards, essentially. So, okay. because, right. oh dear God. Well, we saw how that turned out. I don't need to get into that. Yeah, we. Yeah. It, it was already heading that way, and now yeah. we've seen it how very, it's destroyed very the world. Much. Oh boy. Um, so, uh, there, someone had uploaded the trailer for Mazes and Monsters on POE TV. 
And I showed it to my roommate at the time. And I was just like, we need to find this and watch this, obviously. So my roommate uh, wasn't huge into D&D. And I wasn't at that time really either. Like the first time I accidentally encountered D&D was when I was actually uh, much younger. I'd say maybe uh, 12 or 13. And I had ordered this Sailor Moon book off of like, whatever proto Amazon was at the time. And it came in and I didn't realize it at the time. But looking back, I'm like, oh, this is actually basically a monster manual for a Sailor Moon um, uh, RP. And cool. so I came in, I'm okay. like, well, how come like there's a place for you to make your own characters or all these stats for all the Sailor Senshi and their blood types? Because, of course, so... I had no idea like that's a game that you would set up that would have a dice system or whatever. So flash forward to university where some friends of mine are like, yo, do you play D&D? And I'm like, I don't. And they're like, well, you do like improv and stuff. You would love this. And also you're a massive goddamn nerd. And I said, true, true, true on all counts. So I did like a session of like Shadowrun was my very first D&D game. Um, yeah. No yeah. Well, cool. also like they had me at cyberpunk. Like, come on. Yeah. yeah. So I was going to say Shadowrun is like very yeah, different. Yeah, but D&D. it was also like a good intro for me into like how complicated the systems can get, but also like the power of the storytelling right. in it and having control of your own characters and getting to know some of the mechanics behind yeah. it. Um, so when I saw the trailer for Mazes and Monsters, found the movie, and I just lost my mind at how gloriously <laughs> terrible it was i went down like a huge rabbit hole yeah. learning about the satanic panic of the 80s to the point where um i asked my parents about it because um i've i've also been on a few D podcasts for the last little while like i just finished up a run on dum-dums and dragons um i've done caverns and comedians with you maddox you uh, did so like and I used to have this uh, a live show called Dungeons and Drawings and Dragons that I did at this um, esports bar called Meltdown, which does not exist anymore. Oh yeah, the one on college. Yeah, yeah. which was like right around yeah, the corner from my house. Oh, yeah, we're perfect. So close to each other. Yeah. Are we in the same neighborhood? Holy shit! Okay, well we're gonna hang out. Well, oh, not, no, not because anytime pandemic. soon. Okay. <laughs> so in uh, five yeah, years, yes. uh, anyway. Yeah, um, I absolutely love just uh, you could feel the panic of the satanic nature mm-hmm. just like oozing out of this movie. Uh, and the fact that just... it's a young Tom Hanks playing the main role. And even like, you know, in those days, like rewatching it last night, um, it just there were so many moments where I'm just like, oh, shit, this kid's a star. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's like, he's selling stuff above the grade of the film they put him in, for sure. Oh, big time. Punching so above the weight class of what this movie wanted to be. Um, and even like so having him in there, having that um, the like detective character whose name is like Detective Martini. Who no. is yeah? I didn't even notice that. I did not catch that. Oh, <laughs> look, uh, when you <laughs> I come correct to podcasts yeah. like this, okay? Um, like, like having him as kind of a narrator, but also he's so out of look, we'll get into it later. All this to say, like, uh, Mazes and Monsters and Dungeons and Dragons have been very close to my heart for the better part of 10 years, I would say at this point. So uh, what can I say? I'm thrilled to be here. Um, let's give it 110%. Oh yeah. my God, this is great. Maddox, thank you for pairing us up. Yeah. Yeah, you have so much to teach me. <laughs> oh yeah, she's she'll know all the good stuff. I'm a little newer with it. I think the first time I watched it was a couple years back with my D&D group decided like we were finishing one campaign about to start another one. Let's do a palate cleanse. Let's get drunk and watch Mazes and Monsters. 
was like our, our party, like, okay, this week we're not ready for a new campaign. The D and uh, the DM still has to like set it up and stuff, but like, let's just watch this movie, get drunk together. And that was fun. I don't worry. I forgot a bunch of details. So there was a bunch of things that I was like, wait, how did this go again? Right. When I was watching it this time. <laughs> and yeah, in D and D I have a D and D group. I've had one for probably about a decade now. Had a D and D podcast for a bit. Caverns and comedians. Check it out. It's still available. Yes. Yeah. I, f- I felt this vibe, even though like I'm born 86, it was like well into the nineties. There are still people in the like late nineties, early two thousands who were like, especially religious who still had this vibe to them. Yeah. And- I had a friend in high school whose parents didn't let him play magic, the gathering because quote, it has symbols in it. Oh my God. Mm. With all the Harry Potter stuff too. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was lots of people calling that evil because it's full of witchcraft, even all though magic. Yeah. Absolutely. That's not even the problem with JK Rowling. Like they're getting all the wrong signals. Yeah. No, the the real the real villainous uh, part of Harry Potter is basically like Snape's arc, where it's like he was a good guy all along. And it's like, was he though? He was kind of, <laughs> that, not really. He took out his emotional problems yeah. on a literal child. Uh, anyway, well, we'll never explore this. Um, <laughs> well, and apparently now the real villain of Harry Potter is the creator herself. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah in her yeah, transphobic yeah. way. She was the final yeah, boss all along. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And she was it's complicating BBC. a little bit whenever I run into like a kid who's like a big fan, and I'm like, do I shatter their world? That the no, you know, let them enjoy it until they're an adult. Then I'll tell them it's terrible. Yeah, they'll, uh, they'll <laughs> I mean, my first thought was like, shatter away, good friend. But I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not a. Uh, but they're like eight. I, it's a bit too much explaining. Uh, they gotta old. learn sometime. The only way. <laughs> throw him in the goddamn pool. Uh, let me try to recap this film a little, just in case anyone didn't watch it uh, and and is listening along. Monsters and Mazes follows uh, four characters who are all going to university together. Uh, three of them are already in a Mazes and Monsters group, and Tom Hanks's character has Robbie. given it up. Robbie, Robbie, Robbie has given it up because he was too addicted to it at his old school, uh, but gets peer pressured <laughs> aggressively. Yes. into joining this group who are all very friendly and supportive of each other. At least, at least that wasn't like turned into like a drug analogy, but they do push him on it a bit. But after one of their characters, uh, one of the players who is kind of depressed has his character die. He decides to instead increase the awesomeness of their game by playing in the mysterious forbidden caverns <laughs> that their town has. Well, and essentially creating LARPing. Yeah. Yeah. Inventing LARPing basically is what he does. So they go and they play in these caves, but that gets too real for our hero, Robbie. (laughs) And he has a mental break and slowly stops being able to distinguish between himself and his character. So like us. So like us. So like all of us. Um, Eventually runs off to New York where he wanders through the streets. Yeah. Kills at least one random person. Yeah, well, he stabs uh, a guy. I mean, the guy. He does stab a guy. There's yeah. blood on my knife. He's convinced he killed that guy. <laughs> we do not follow up with that. To, how to divorce yourself from hearing Tom Hanks using that voice in a comedy, and then having, <laughs> oh, what am I doing? I remember yeah. anything. <laughs> this man has yeah, this Woody he, in Toy Story. <laughs> oh, his his friends managed to stop him from jumping off. The Twin Towers, oh, because he thinks he can fly. Yeah, the fact that the Twin Towers are like like a huge plot point in this, I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. It really dates it, yeah. <laughs> dates it hard. Wow. 
Um, so they manage to save him and they talk him down. But months later, when they go to visit him, he's still completely lost. Even more lost, probably. Oh, man. And important to know, and his, we are... his mother doesn't blame the group. Like, there's this moment, like, there's an emotional moment where yeah. she, like, looks at them all and is like, just so you know, I, I don't blame you, any of you, for what happened. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you shouldn't. Meanwhile, Dr. Martini is sucking down three different stogies and, like, yelling at anyone who will listen about the dangers of mazes and monsters. Yeah, and I can't oh, man. Like, yeah, yeah, well. Yeah. Poisons and arrows and swords. I love, there's a point where he's describing it. You know, it's filled with poisons and swords. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's given it a better sell than he thinks, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what, uh, Martini, you you took a real fine swig of that. Like you know, good oh. for you. I, yeah. I really love. I mean, to Cat's point, you know what's what's so nostalgic about this movie is that it's steeped in just being eighties. Like it's thick, and this was the beginning of the eighties in eighty two. But it's so. It's not deep. trying to be. It just sort of is. It yeah, just is man. Writing wise, like nowadays when we see something, feel, 80, we see something being a parody of the eighties. But this is just being itself. This is so true to what it is. Yeah, like we meet JJ first, and he's a, also he's sixteen. They mentioned that at one point. Right. Yeah. He's 16. he's way younger than everyone else. And so I he guess he's a genius. And he's got a talking bird yeah. Merlin. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like a rich, it seems like his mother's also a rich socialite, right? Like, oh, oh clearly, she yeah. talks like this. Like, she still comes from the 20s or something. Yeah, it was like he she owns she a huge apartment in, in like New York. Some vaudeville production that got canceled down the street and then forgot that uh, this is not the project that she's working on. Like, her, her entire, all of her choices. Every single choice yep. the uh, JJ's mother makes as an actress is just steeped in so many questions for myself. Oh, so big. <laughs> yeah. So big. That it makes you wonder at first, uh, like my first or second note was, is this a comedy? Mm-hmm. They're really leaning into it at the beginning. Well, and even that this was entire. A made for TV movie. So it's unclear its genre. It goes, it dabbles in a couple of yeah. things. Yeah. And it's CBS, so I don't know what that means. I just said it. It sounded good. Um, Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Um, So, and also um, very 80s uh, as a way to show, like, someone is, like, different and quirky. This guy, JJ, just, like, wears different hats a lot. Yeah, he wears a different hat in almost every scene. Yeah. The only scene I think he wasn't wearing a hat was the Halloween party, because I guess they figured, like, everyone else would be wearing costumes. Yeah. So one day he wouldn't wear a costume or he wouldn't wear a hat. Uh, did you know, here's some trivia from IMDb. Um, over the course of the film, JJ wears eight different hats and changes hats 14 times. There you go. <laughs> wow. Under goofs, well, it, just, it just says But you don't always thing. know where he's carrying them. And like, they're often not thematically appropriate to the scene that's happening. Oh, like there's a couple like serious scenes where like, where's Robbie? No one's seen him for days. And he's wearing like, like a detective hat or like a, you know, like something very, or like a silly aviator hat, like a pilot. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Is... That's when he first meets Tom Hanks in the, uh, you know, in the lunchroom in the universe. In the lunchroom, yeah. It's like, these are not like take off the hat, JJ. Like sometimes it's fine as a quirk, but like, well, there's, you know, I, I give it to the filmmakers on that one where they're really establishing it as like a character idiosyncrasy. You know what I mean? They go, okay, we can expect this from JJ. And well, we saw his he doesn't notice life, he's doing and that it. explains everything. Well, also, uh, here's some more uh, IMDb trivia. Do you know that JJ was in an episode of The Littlest Hobo? No. I did not. Yeah. Oh, my God. I could have sworn. I, this guy's oh. face looks so familiar. 
I think I hear the sound of Kat downloading that episode of Littlest Hobo right now. Uh, that's exactly what's happening. Thank you for okay, pointing okay, it out. Thank good. you. What's great is that it goes from JJ to Kate. Kate. Gets, JJ gets this kind of long, nice, you know, two, three minute scene to establish himself. Then we go to Kate. She's like, oh, I'm a girl. Everyone's socialist. Ah, uh, chauvinist. I want to be a writer. And then it's out. And it's like, holy moly. Kate yeah. is only there. I don't think they establish who she's talking to. I guess like her dad's ex-wife or maybe her mom. It's not 100% clear. Yeah. No, it's, just her, talk on it's, a doc. Her, it's her bio mom because she's like, no, like you're still dad's wife. And she's like, well, it's been a long time. And I'm like, well, look at them. They're just friends bonding over trauma. Look at oh, that. Oh, right. And also when dad left. Oh, yeah. Did he leave or did he die? Um, he no, he, he married someone else. Right, yeah. right, okay. So this is also why I'm like, oh, okay, of course Kate wants to be a writer. And then that piece of information or like that, the um, uh, advice that she gets, like, use your imagination. Like, I just yeah. haven't lived enough. And it's That's also right. that very specific late 70s, uh, early 80s style of acting and cadence she has in her voice. Yeah. That sort of like, but mother, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I need to pop all the important plot points so that everyone hears them over their really bad oh, speakers. The exposition in this movie is oh. just, I've never felt a chef's kiss so hard, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes it so 80s is yeah. that it, 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 the, things used to be written like this where they spoon fed everything to us. Yes. And in this case, it actually is kind of, is very charming. Yeah. Like it, um, for me, I'm just like, oh, I accept this for exactly what it is. And it's weirdly charming. Yeah. Um, and again, considering that this is a direct result of the satanic panic. Like, I, I, I meant to bring this up earlier, but like my parents, for example. So, uh, you know, we're adults in the 70s and 80s. And I remember um, last I was home, I was, uh, I, I was just like making some food and I was playing one of the episodes of Dum Dums and Dragons uh, that came out. And my dad was like, kind of came into the kitchen and was like, so what, are you recapping a game? Like what's going on? I'm like, oh no, 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 it's Dungeons and Dragons. So like, this is in the middle of the, of playing and we're making up the world and like dice, etc. And uh, he mentioned the satanic panic. He's like, oh yeah, I remember hearing about that in the eighties. Like still this uh... kind of like, kind of side eye toward it. Um, and the thing is, Mazes and Monsters is technically very loosely based on a true story. I know that's got to be loose, though, because, yeah, this whole thing feels like yeah. a parent's retelling of something they heard another parent say <laughs> about something that happened to a friend of their kid. Totally. Yeah. You know to what I mean? It's got that, like, yeah. telephone that's of right. worry. But there was a kid in the 80s uh, who, like, happened to play Dungeons and & Dragons and then did, like, take off basically in, like, tunnels underneath the school and he was, like, found later. But him right. taking off like think, that was yeah. not because of him playing D&D, but since the satanic panic was going it's on. It's the cause and effect they kept confusing. Yes, exactly. So Because they would go like, oh, this kid, this kid was depressed and suicidal. It must have been caused by the game. When really it's like, no, this kid was you know, picked on and stuff. So they turned to this game for comfort. And it wasn't enough, but it was something. Yeah. Well, that, that's also the, the one thing that I picked up through this. I mean, as a, a lover of D&D, I watched this movie and go, this is great. I mean, these guys loved it. That first session when they sat down Ooh. was just 
great. Oh my God. And imagine like having a session like that where everyone is like kind of dressed up and it's like everything is candlelit and you're introducing your characters and what you yeah. like. It was, I was like, ooh, yeah, I would for sure hang out with these people. Like, oh, okay. Time. But here's, here's what I want to point out here. Because these characters were not the type of characters that I run into in any of my D&D games. Because they were all like very serious and straight. Like, oh, he's a great, she's a great strong warrior. He's a, a fast, fleetful rogue. And I'm a holy man. I, I do my best. And every game I've ever played, characters are ridiculously silly. Yeah, I'm a crow. And I'm half <laughs> half barbarian. I'm from a so, grass giant or something. Yeah. Can, can we each introduce as like one of our characters as we would introduce it in a game, one of our sillier characters that we've had in a D and D game before. Wow. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll kick us off. Okay. Um, in Caverns and Comedians, one of my characters was Hank Brody, a utility wizard who works in the sewers for the city, repairing the magical pipes. Doesn't really want to be an adventurer, just sort of stumbled into it. Uh, none of his spells are for attacking. They're just for fixing pipes and other sewage and utility things. <laughs> Kate, what about you? Okay. Or Kat, sorry. Ugh. No, you're g- getting me confused with that. I'm getting you confused with the character. character in Mazes and Monsters who just wants to be a writer. Um, <laughs> and never marry. <laughs> Honestly, I was like, nah, game, recognize game. Um, <laughs> but then date half the other characters in the movie. Yeah, As I said, oh, game, recognize game. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm uh, Tony Shaloub. Uh, uh, it's a hell of a thing. I'm a hill dwarf. And uh, if you want to know something about it, you, you just taste it first. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I hear about D&D characters. <laughs> Chris, one of yours. Give us one of yours. Okay, why don't I give you the, the guy that I was, I'm doing in this uh, in this podcast that we have. Sure. Because he's the funnest one so far, the one I've had the most his name is uh his name is boring hard actually his name is admiral paladin boring hardinist from black bright axe hall oh man i keep messing that up he keeps saying okay hold on okay, <laughs> back to ones yeah back to ones good morning my name is admiral paladin boring hardinist from bright axe hall a mountain dwarf with 17 children <laughs> it's a lot of that <laughs> yeah a lot of that vibe yeah yeah Pirate vibe. Mild pirate vibe. Yeah. But no, yeah, he sounds like a pirate, but a more uh, affluent dwarvish pirate, you know? Okay. Ooh, I like that. I like that kind of character building, which I'm sure also uh, affects the world building. Well done, Mr. Siddiqui. Well Thank done. You. Thank you. That means a lot from, I mean, from a giant fucking nerd such as myself. I give to you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we we forgot to even mention Daniel, the Kendall member of the oh, group. Oh, sweet yes. Daniel, sweet dumb Daniel. Um, he's not even that dumb, but he feels like he is. You know, he feels like he should yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. You know what? He feels like the dungeon master, someone you should just kind of, you know, just listen to, and then uh, do your own thing after. <laughs> someone that yeah, you you've probably caused a lot of frustration where they had very specific plans. Uh, they had spreadsheets and all sorts of stuff set up, and then you guys all decided to start a bar fight instead of his quest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, he was really. Uh, I loved how much he lamented about being the hot guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> being the smartest hot guy. Right. The other thing, I mean, 
Look, this is just ingrained in me being a brown dude. But when there's so many white people, there was one black dude in this movie that got up and walked away from JJ in the cafeteria. And it was more like a less like he was done and more mm-hmm. like a who's this fucking guy with these aviator goggles and this bomber jacket on. I'm getting out of here. So to see all these people and then Daniel, you know, again, just so crestfallen that he's just so handsome. Yeah, because um, in the movie, his big thing is that like he's got such a reputation as a player, you know, and because he's so, so ridiculously good looking. All he can get are one night stands, but really all he wants is just a girlfriend. Maybe someone uh, who's a writer who's trying to live her life. Uh, <laughs> oh, also, oh, P.S., the guy who was um, uh, like the only black dude in it also played the Gorville. Oh, was it the same actor? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, oh, yes. That's amazing. So- that was a moment where I I doubted my memory because when yeah they're, so when they're in the caves exploring playing their game larping larping, LARPing. <laughs> they're larping okay uh, at one point like someone clearly in a costume dressed as a monster jumps yeah. out at Robbie yeah and so I'm like wait is this supposed to be what he's seeing or like did they get a theater kid to dress up in this costume and jump out at him yeah because I couldn't remember if he like just straight up stabbed some theater kid. And maybe it was that guy. Well, it was funny. Not saying it was that guy in a costume, but just that the in the movie logic they established that skeleton earlier on, and then Kate was like, "Whoa, wicked! That was wicked!" Yeah. (laughs) So then, I guess as the audience, you know, it's it's that uh, uh, dramatic irony, but I guess reverse because we don't know. We think that 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 what was it called, cat? That monster? Uh, The Goreville. The Goreville. Okay, we knew that the Goreville was there, right? But then we were like, oh, was this is a, like totally to your point too, Maddox. I thought it was set up too. So I was like, this is wicked. JJ set up this wicked game. Honestly, there was a part of me that I'm like, you know what? Maybe I judge JJ far too harshly. This man has a vision. Uh, he has yeah. follow through. Um, which is like you know what you don't find that a lot even with some of like the best like theater kids at the university you go to that is never named that's true Uh, wasn't it it's called graft university i think okay a it's called graft university (laughs) but it's never even like i you know obviously i went through the imdb of this movie before this podcast and it one of the sticking points is like no one really knows where it's set (laughs) (laughs) Though it's it's filmed in Toronto, amazing. Uh, so it's got to be okay. Here's the thing: I thought I recognized some of like the like the dorm rooms because I went to U of T, and I was like, oh, I'm like, yeah, this man. is are they in Sir Dan's? I was like, I think yeah, I think, what, I think it's what's the St. Mike's or something? The the like chapel yeah. one that's right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The the Catholic uh, college in U of T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> well, the, I mean, and. What's his face? JJ is from Littlest Hobo or was in Littlest right. Hobo. So, so this is all, you know what? Yeah, the the pieces are sure. falling into yeah. place. All the pieces matter. Hey, everyone. Maddox popping in here for just a moment to recommend another podcast you might want to check out. The Ongoing Comic Discussion Podcast is a weekly show where host and comic lover Tess dives into a new comic story with her special guests every week. Whether you're a grizzled comic veteran or brand new to the medium and don't know where to start, there's something for everyone on OCD. 
It's all about having fun discussions, sharing a love of comic books, and maybe even learning something along the way. This show is part of the Brain Freeze Podcast Network, so you can check out this and other great shows wherever you get your podcasts or at brainfreezepodcast.com. Okay, back to the show. Oh my god. So, uh, do you mind if I like break down stuff too cuz I've got like just also as a sure. movie. I was just watching it too that a montage happens 20 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. That's like that's that's pretty that's uncommon to happen in a, in a movie. Now, this isn't a it's movie. Also really bad music for that montage. <laughs> oh. Oh my god. Thank you for mentioning Maddox. That song at the beginning, the the vocals that happen? Mhm. That is so 70s and 80s. Yes. You know what I'm well, talking I felt about. like a sitcom. Like that opening song, you're on your way, or whatever yeah, it is. And then later, that like, and we'll always be friends. Together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the duet. Oh, man. So and felt specifically 70s. Like, it didn't even oh. feel like early 80s. That was pure 70s cheese. Pure mm. 70s. Yeah. Very so cheesy. that montage happens 20 minutes in. And it also establishes the coupling. Like, you know, the, uh, the, what, what Kate's purpose is. A Kate's when, purpose, he, yeah. when her character is introduced, she doesn't get as much time as the boys. And we immediately find out that, okay, so she is used as the love triangle thing. Okay, great. But 20 minutes, 20 minutes in. That's uh, yeah. not bad. When they had already <laughs> set up a good. previous framing device of the news anchor. And they completely... Um, just discard yes. that. So there are several different like framing ways they could go about it, and they're just like, why not all of them? Like it, you know. Yeah. And that is used twice. You're totally yeah. right. They put it at the beginning, then they go, uh oh, we all. Not. Then they play it again yeah. in the yep. middle. Yeah. And then later too with Detective up. Martini, another possible framing device. But then it feels like that was more shoehorned in in order to get the kind of like um, uh, moral reasons for this TV movie being made across. Yeah, just but there was you, yeah. some Frankensteining that went on. I feel like there were three separate people with three different visions and they were just locked in a room and they had to find a way <laughs> to suck. Yeah, them. yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, that's why the love triangle is there, man. It serves no purpose. Come on. Like, get out of here. No, it's not used for any stakes. But we needed to have that scene where Kate follows Daniel into the caverns, and it's just like five minutes of her going, Daniel? 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 Daniel! What does she say? She has, Kate also has some of the most, or I would say all the greatest lines in the film, because she has that one single shot where she holds up the lamp, lamp, lamp? I want to say lamp and lantern together. Lampern? Lampern. The lamprey. She's okay, holding sure. up the lamprey. She holds up the, the lampern. lampern and she says, the most frightening monsters are the ones that exist on our own minds. And then it cuts away. I, I, if we're talking about like lines that really stood out to me, one is uh, the, the detective going, it's a pretty far out <laughs> game. Or like, like, they're like, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty far out uh, idea. It's like, well, it's a pretty far out game. And I feel like too is Robbie a doper? <laughs> yeah. dope. I know, right? Like, and he was um, that character. I will never get sick of the fact that his name is Detective Martini. Um, <laughs> I know. Like, it was such an archetype for like seventies and eighties movies, and I feel like um, nineteen eighty two was the time we started seeing that kind of hard boiled detective character getting phased out a bit more. Like. Yeah. You see it a little yeah. bit in like um, like crime story, for example, or yeah. um, 
even like I feel like a lot of like Leslie Nielsen's uh, cop characters specifically totally. come from that genre of detective. Totally. So, and actually, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good point, you know, because that's when you start making fun of something or parodying something is when it's been used so much that everybody understands the the motifs and the cliches. Yeah. And Except so for the writers of this film, yeah, who were like, no, let's keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. Like for, you know, like in The Simpsons, the security guard at uh, the try and save in that Christmas episode uh, has its roots very deeply in characters like Detective Martini. Yeah, 100%. Hundo. I mean, also, too, it's a PSA, right? So that's their voice of reason is the cop going, hey, is Robbie a doper? Oh, dope is bad because Detective Martini said it. Now, okay, let's let's actually shift this a little bit. This is definitely designed trying to be a PSA. Let's talk about how successful it is at the message it's trying to send. Okay. Because I would say there are a lot of plot points that counter the message clearly in there. The message is that, oh, it'll drive you crazy. You'll forget what reality is. You'll, you know, uh, leave the things that really matter behind. But JJ is very suicidal at one point uh and once he comes up with his idea to do a more advanced mazes and monsters that never comes up again it it's <laughs> solved i guess eminem saves his life i guess so yeah i, I mean uh, you're showing one extreme version of it with robbie but on the other hand jj has created something that's what a, what a beautiful viable business this is LARPing and like putting TT RPGs out in the real world. Yeah. You're kind Just of... gives, gives them something to hope for. Gives them a little bit of a, a, a stronger sense of community. Cause he was feeling lonely and left right. out. And as a 16 year old at college who wears <laughs> no. the stupidest hats because home life. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also by the end of it, Kate becomes a writer. She's inspired. Mm-hmm. What's really funny? She too, writes the book that the movie is based on very clearly. But what's really funny too is at the beginning yeah. she says, "I have writer's <laughs> block," and I realize it's because I don't have life experience. And meanwhile, she's writing about somebody else's life experience. Yeah, and she writes the line "Death of Hope" at the end about her friend. So, uh, which you know, she oh. learned she learned writing through this experience. She learned writing. Again, again, just so, so very eighties, the lack of understanding of mental health, this, this kind of like, um, Mm -hmm. Oh, just this, this horrible way of, of looking at it. What's, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for here? Um, it's condescending. (laughs) It's condescending. And it's also the idea that he's, he's broken. He's beyond. Yes. Like when they, when they they visit him at the farm, that's just what I call that end scene. They go to the farm see where like, (laughs) Oh yeah. He's totally totally allowed to like, like, you know, run free in the pastures. And when he meets him, he's just like, Fennec, you've responded. They're like, Oh no, he's still trapped in the game. Yeah. And so we played. I was waiting for, I was waiting for Tom Hanks to break and be like, ah, gotcha guys. Let's go party. Like, like, yeah, totally. No, but that kind of 80s sting wouldn't come around until I think 1985. So they would have been very ahead of their time. Yeah, a little later. Mm-hmm. Well, also, I mean, you know, again, to your point, Kat, that's totally what uh, uh, we're coming off this big cultural shift where, you know, when when uh, soldiers would suffer PTSD coming back from the war, they'd just be like, ah, grandpa has old shell shock. Yeah. So it was just this title that they could put on post-traumatic stress disorder. And Tom Hanks having, I mean, I'll tell you this too. What I really loved about it was the dreams With he was having. Hall. I've had those dreams where you're like, 
you're trying to run, but you're not fast enough. And obviously, this is a, a story about a kid who really hasn't worked out his mental state. His father's really cold. His mother drinks. Oh, okay. I'm Remember sorry. Father- Can we talk about that scene in the car? Uh, which oh, is maybe one of my favorite home, scenes like, just cliche. in a movie in general. Gee, I was just going to – I think that was the best acted scene in the whole movie. Well, because those this were legacy actors who were, um, uh, like, playing his parents. Like, like coming really? from, like, the theater and, like, some old movies. Um, yeah. Like, uh, it, it's delightful. But also just the writing is so on the nose. Just like, and I hate it when you drink. Yeah. Just like, I drink because I can. Like, you know? Yeah, totally. because you ruined right. me <laughs> oh and then i'm like oh wow okay so this is uh this is uh, i've never felt a hand so heavy but <laughs> you know what may may it crush me deliciously right so well and also yeah it set up tom hanks's character perfectly that i'm like okay now we can let you know it's like also- it's like when you see a crappy magician, but then when a, a really good magician comes on stage after you're like, oh, okay, we're in yeah. good hands. All no, right. absolutely. Like that, um, again, speaking to like Tom Hanks's like talent and work, like does he hit every single note he needs to? No, but again, punching above his weight and the um, Oof, no. scene where he explains to Kate what happened to his brother was just like a, a deliciously grounded piece of acting. I was like, mm-hmm. holy shit. Like, the, like that script did not deserve that gorgeous yeah. treatment that Tom Hanks gave it. It was just, I was like, here's an example. And that was one take, wasn't it too? Like it was just it a, was long a long take, yeah. pushing um, camera. Which is yeah. like interesting because there's so many theatrical elements in this movie, right? So like some very good intentions. You know what that tells you though? That was his audition Oh, piece. it for sure was. Those are oh, absolutely sure. the sides that he read in the room for yeah. sure. Yeah. Big time. So, I mean, Maddox, I think, um, I mean, I think it, I think it helps stir up the hornet's nest about uh, the dangers of something that's so innocuous and fun to yeah. play. Because there was no, like, the, the for me, like, one of the most delightful things about all this is there was no reason to be afraid. It's a bunch of, like, fucking nerds with imagination. Yeah. Like, the most dangerous thing is, yeah. like, yeah, please don't go into caves that you don't have a map for that are potentially yeah. dangerous. Yeah. We've actually seen this uh, more recently with uh, kind of ARG-style large games. There was this one, um, it started, I can't remember what university it started at, but um, it was this, like, game that kind of grew and grew and grew, and then people would get together, um, like, once a year, there'd be a cash prize at the end, and you would go on adventures following these clues, and at one point, when the game was at its, uh, like, highest level, um, they used, like, these abandoned mines as part of the puzzles, and one of the players ended up going in the wrong cave and, like, Ooh. fell and, like, seriously injured himself. And then, like, anyway, uh, I I wish mm, I should have thought more and, and done Yeah, that. it's one of those things of, like, where do you put the blame, though? It's not really the game's fault. It's the cave. It's, like, going into a right. cave. It's and the then, game yeah, master's just... fault in that case. Like, if you're going to do something cool like yeah. our thing, like, you have to make sure that, like, the parameters are set up safely. You know, it's like putting on any kind of theater show. If there's audience interaction or if there are props that actors have to use, you got to make sure they're safe. Uh, but That's right. Yeah. You're the producer of this thing, and you know what? I got to hand it to JJ. He he brought JJ it brought big it. time into that game system. Yeah. Also, he, he gave did. he had a whole map system worked out. Like it was a good map. That was a great map. And you know what? So that's that's what I'm saying. Is despite this this film trying to sell us on the on the dangers, it still really convinces me that like D and D is actually pretty fun. 
These kids look like they're having a great time. They are so supportive of each other. They're a really tightly knit friend group. (laughs) And that's what D&D is really about. Like having really close friends that you grow even closer with while telling stories. Exactly. And you meet them at a party where uh, like a girl you're kind of interested in says like, he's level nine. Like that. I mean, who among us hasn't met all of our close friends? Level nine? Oh my God. Like a ninth level. But oh, okay. Can I also say that nerds like us pick out like, well, level nine? What? I mean, that can mean anything, you know? Yeah, no, it no, doesn't no. make sense. It, it, it really feels like someone who doesn't know Dungeons yes. and Dragons wrote yes. this movie, yeah. you know? Yes. And just finding those buzzwords that we would all know, but it's kind of like, well, level level nine? What? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what's, what's your class? You don't play oh. at level nine. You may have a level nine character, but we can also roll you up a new one. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah it's like. <laughs> Also, how many characters do you have? Like yeah. currently, I'm I'm going on like four or five Tons. characters right now. So it's like, get out of here. Well, yeah, and you know what? Mazes and monsters won't get out of here. That movie is here to stay. <laughs> oh, never thank going God. away. I'm so thankful I watched this. Actually, I I was I was negative. so excited actually all of yesterday. Like, um, I found a free link to watch it on YouTube, but then also my roommate has Roku and found it on there. So I made like a whole plan of it. I'm like, we're going to like have dinner. Um, Like whoever wants to maybe like smoke some weed, let's do that. And then let's settle in and fucking strap in for this adventure we call Mazes and Monsters. It was delightful. Yeah. I I strongly recommend watching it as a communal experience with any inebriance you can find. Oh, big time. Makes it so much more enjoyable. Uh, on the note of like uh, mental health, too, the, when they're all driving back to visit Robbie, mm-hmm. uh, they're like, oh, man, I wish Robbie could be here. Uh, and then Kate goes, yeah, but his mom said he had to spend all his time with that doctor. And that really stood out to me. <laughs> they didn't actually like they didn't, they didn't specify what was going on with Robbie. And they re- but they really emphasized that he had to spend time with that doctor. Right, because I, I think so, yeah. that just goes to show like the sort of North American POV on uh, mental yeah. health issues and the seriousness of taking and, it. But seriously. then also too, like the general um, stigma and fear around um, seeing a doctor for any reason aside from uh, physical ailments, right? Like right. there is that sort of yeah. almost like lurking horror behind the title of that doctor, you know. Absolutely. And I mean, let's be honest, too, like this, uh, this uh, satanic panic came out of just religious, all these all these big, big reasons are are run by religion. And so this is the true meaning of your podcast, Maddox, is that we're just going to get deep into ripping up mass religion. Hmm, Okay. (laughs) I mean, I will point out the one who went crazy. There was four people in the group. The only one who went crazy was the guy who pretended to be a holy holy man. man. Yes. Um, there you go. Oh, interesting. So I think, I think Dungeons Dragons. Fine. Getting too much into religion, that can be a problem. There you go. Um, maybe that's the point of the movie. That's maybe the point of the movie, down. guys. Denounce your god. Uh, <laughs> and we shall all meet in the great hall when the time comes. The two towers. Oh my god! Under the two towers. <laughs> Good thing. I love when he met the homeless dude under the the. Yeah, that oh, was great. Yeah, can we he talk gave about good the advice. King of he gave France just for a cool hot second? Yeah, we can man. talk about really quick. We can talk about the King of France. We almost have to wrap up here. No, we no, no. Going we're going to be here for oh, another two on. hours. Oh, Say what you will of the King of France. <laughs> um, I thought that was actually like a pretty funny and well written scene for what the movie was going for. 
as far as like plot point Absolutely. and exposition yeah. is concerned, it wasn't uh, hitting yeah. you over the head with what was happening. It was just like, oh, okay, yes, um, uh, Tom Hanks is meeting someone he assumes is going to like point him in the right direction and treating it as the game it is. And this other guy's just like, dude, I'm a homeless guy who like lives in the fucking subway system. I, and But the fact yeah. the homeless dude is just like, you know what? You're actually like the, probably one of the more stable people I've met, kind of. So, yeah, he was pretty like, accepting. Well, he was like, oh, okay. 100%. You have to be. I know I, I know what you're talking about. I can get you to those towers. I don't know about yeah. nothing about no dragon. but I mean, haven't we all had those um, encounters with people, like whether it's on transit or on the street where it's just, you you know, they start saying something yeah. like, oh, okay, you're not all here. You just have to meet them at their level. And I feel yeah. like. Yeah. You find out what they're yeah. actually asking, like through, through. Yeah. The haze, yeah, and you go, okay, here's what you actually so need to know, anything, and I'll help I you think. there. Yeah, he was one of the most caring, empathetic guys in the whole movie to Robbie, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'll hail the king, hail of, the king of France. Um, <laughs> and the other lessons here are you should watch Monsters and Mazes, yeah, you should play D&D, and you should forsake your god. Those are the three lessons, hey guys. Literally, for today, podcast. I'm like, done, done, and done. Like, I, I got the whole <laughs> afternoon now. Happy. <laughs> Okay, so thank you so much uh, for joining me, Kat Lewin, Chris Siddiqui, and to all the audience listening at home. And we'll have another movie for you soon. Bye. Bye! Well, that's what we came up with, but we want to hear from you. Tell us your thoughts. You can find us on Twitter at BreakAWishPod, email BreakAWishPod at gmail.com, join the BreakAWish discussion group on Facebook. And you can support the show by writing a review, telling a friend, or buying a t-shirt on TeePublic. All this information at breakawish.ca. For more Chris Siddiqui, you can check out Dwarven Moss. Dwarven Moss is what they call weed in their campaign. A D&D podcast on the Sonar Network. Or check out his series, Bit Playas, on Amazon Video and CBC Gem. For more Kat Letwin, she just guested on This Is A Talk Show with Adam Bailey. And you can find that on YouTube. And you can also find her on the D&D podcast Dum Dums and Dragons as Not Peter Baelish. Find it at Dum Dum Dice on Twitter. This is a Kicks and Giggles Entertainment production hosted by Maddox Campbell, themed by Matthew Reed, cover art by Justin Langford, and a proud member of the Sonar Podcast Network. More podcasts at thesonarnetwork.com. So, what would you wish for? has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! Hey, I'm Dungeon Master Tom, and this is Dwarven Moss, an actual play D&D podcast. I'm going to be taking my two friends, comedian Chris Siddiqui, well, hello, and musician Jay McCarroll. Yo! Their very first official campaign. Yes. Every episode is fully scored with original music, and soundscapes. <laughs> so here's just a little taste of the insanity of Dwarven Moss. Hold on! Bang! That sounds downboard. Oh, my word! My mother is being nice! I'm gonna jump up. Let's jump! Oh, oh, oh. You guys smash through the window. Roll an acrobatics uh, test. I want to see how you guys land. 20 crit. 20. 
20. Whoa! A slow zoom up on Wendell's face and he goes, he's beginning to believe. <laughs> Episode one is available now. Subscribe to Dwarven Moss on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are available. 